Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you are listening to this live uh, post-match podcast. It's me, Suburbaguna Chris. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. All of those people who are joining us on a warm summer, or it feels like summery Sunday afternoon, uh, as Arsenal uh, have just finished their game against Fulham, which finished 1-1. And uh, joining me in the virtual pub is Paul, Mr. Invincible. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very, um, no, I don't know what I am. <laughs> he has a big chin. First foremost, formalities, what are you drinking? What drink, what drink is it? It's a Tanqueray Sevilla, like an orange-flavoured uh, gin in a big, big bowl with a huge round glob of ice, and it's my third nice. today. Very nice. I have got myself a Cronenberg. What has AFC Charlie got himself today? Charlie, what are oh, you drinking? Nice, simple bottle of Peroni. Lovely. Nice, simple bottle of Peroni. To drown the sorrows that was that 1-1 uh, draw that we've just witnessed against Fulham, because lads... As I was saying to you, just as we were off air a second ago, I'm finding it really difficult to get too emotional about this game because, frankly, this season is done. And that, it felt like that to me today. It genuinely felt like we couldn't be asked. I couldn't be asked as a spectator watching that on TV. And it looked like the Arsenal players could not be asked against a Fulham team that let's... Um, we'll hit, hit with some numbers before we do the hot take. A Fulham team that have never beaten Arsenal at the Emirates or at home. Literally, they've had like 30 attempts they've never beat us. Well, they've never won a, a North London... Sorry, not a North London. They've never won... A, they've not won a, a London derby in something like 22 or 23 <laughs> matches. This was all set up to be... And, and also, they're in terrible form. This should have been an absolute walk in the park from Arsenal. And after a first few seconds, it felt like it. But my hot take, I guess, from that game is that I don't think those Arsenal players could be asked today. Charlie... What's your sort yeah. of hot take? Uh, my hot take from it is that it's it's just disappointing that, as you've just mentioned there, Chris, Arteta is clearly throwing all his eggs into the Europa League basket. Today there is an opportunity to go two points behind Tottenham and try and get a little catch them, good end to the season. And that starting line-up is my hot take. I thought it was, I think it's disgraceful, to be honest with you. We've, I'd like to see the stats. Have we ever won a game with Sabayos and Elneny sent midfield? Hector Bellerin hasn't, <laughs> been, Hector Bellerin hasn't been seen for weeks and he's starting. And, and I do not see the need. Why do we keep changing our centre-back partnerships? No other team fucking does it. Why do we? Mm. It, it, that is it's... my hot take. Balteta's team selections, I think, today was very, very it's just frustrating. He's put all his eggs into that rope league basket. And unfortunately, mate, I mean, I've, 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 I've normally stick behind Arteta, but I just think with all these eggs into the show league basket, all of a sudden we don't win Europa League and we finish 10th. He's going to... I don't think he will go. I don't think the ball will sack him. But he is going to have people calling for his blood for the first game of yeah. the season. Yeah, it's... Do you know, it's, it's, that, that line-up, just touching on that before we go to Paul's hot take, Charlie. That lineup, I was kind of okay with it before the game, except that midfield duo. I just don't understand. Like, Party's missed a lot of the season, so there's an argument for him playing at least, at least get Party in there alongside a Ceballos. Because Mohamed El Nenny, I mean, there was one particular moment <laughs> in the first half when um, Smith Motor wrote Smith, 
Smith Rowe made a really good run in behind the left back and the centre um, centre half. And all El Nenny's got to do is just slot a 15-yard pass straight in front of him. And he's looking, he's body shaping, he's face, facing it. And he goes backwards to hold him. And that just sums him up. I mean, the sooner we get away from the likes of El Nenny, the better for me, because it was just painful watching those those two. But Paul, just give us a hot take then from uh, from your perspective. Yeah, I think I'd just, um, I'd just uh, amplify what Charlie said, which is about the tinkering with the, um, with the um, formation, I mean, with the lineup. I thought that Holding and Murray uh, had been so solid. I think Chambers had had been fine. I can't see that those guys were in any kind of pink zone or orange zone or any kind of zone. I'm, you know, I'm, they're defenders. I'm sure they could play, you know, 38 games, you know, on the trot without without being injured. Yeah. And I just don't know why he changed that because if you've got something working and you want momentum, we talked about it in the last pod that we're in the meaty end of the season. You know, Lacquer was scoring, we, we, we looked solid, we scored more goals, we weren't conceding that many. That's what you want going into your last seven games. There's a chance you could get 21 points, maybe push for fifth or fourth place. I mean, if, if everyone else implodes like they have, you know, this was a real, you know, this still is an opportunity in the league with the way results are going for us to maybe scrounge something out of the season. And I think Charlie got it completely right there. I think that um, Arteta just tinkered too much and it cost us because there was no fluidity in this game yeah. compared to the it, last couple yeah it was really poor and he talked about momentum before mm. the game but his decision making in some of the tactical decisions tactical um uh, playing choices for him to start it just that doesn't strike momentum to me that doesn't feel like momentum i've got to say as well a shout out to just a few people that are listening into us so trevor uh, another chance to gain points on the table thrown away trevor you're absolutely right and it feels like with arsenal it's two step forwards one step back in the league every time we've had so many chances this season where we thought oh hang on we get a win here and we could have, we could uh, we could suddenly start looking up the table and once again we put in insipid performances i've got to talk about individuals as well though because it really makes me sad to say this, Charlie, but Hector Bellerin is not the player that he was. I thought he was poor today, gave the ball away a number of times. It really makes me sad because he's such a likeable person. Um, he's been at the club for so long. He's a real uh, ambassador at times for us. But in terms of on the pitch, his decline really sort of depresses me a bit. What's, what's your kind of view on Hector Bellerin's performance today and him in general? I think he's rubbish. I really do. I um, I like him. As you said, I like him. I mean, he's been here for a long time. He's one of those who's come for the youth. You always want to see him do well. Um, since that injury he got against Chelsea, I know it was quite bad. Um, and he come back, he just looks weak. He looks like a little boy when he plays out there. I think he gives the ball away. He's got no purpose. He's got no pace. I just... I, yeah, I... I think he's rubbish. I really do. Um, yeah. And I think Callum Chambers the last couple of weeks has, to be honest with you, has been a very welcome surprise. He's come in, he's been yeah. quite strong. He's been, he, he gets up and down the pitch where we get good final balls in. The balls he puts in are always threats. I just, Bellerin's just a complete opposite. And I'm sure, as you mentioned just a minute ago, Paul, and all these players like Callum Chambers, he's played six games this season. He could have fucking played today. There's absolutely we can, we've not got another game until Friday night. Now there is not mm. one that back four that he's kept the last two games. Chambers, Holding, Mari, Shaka, two clean sheets. 
did not even look like letting a goal in at all. Why change it? Because it, that is your base of your team. That is, we've done, I'm, granted it was only Sheffield United, and I think the other night was a, a great result and, and it, we played well. We went out with a purpose. And I think that was the main difference between today and Thursday night. They looked up for it Thursday night because they knew the importance of it. Today, they're just walking about the pitch, aren't they? I mean, it was, it was just, it was boring, wasn't it? I mean, but I'm saying that, that's the chances we've had, the goal. Yeah. The goal that was disallowed, their penalty, which I think we will go on to, I'm sure about, and is a yep. complete. We, we on a, another day that is three or four nil. Yeah, but, it feels like that. But I just go think that's not line up. You're setting yourself up to foul. Get go start the team. Go two three nil up. Then take these players off. Yeah, I tell you what. So let's move on to. I guess Paul, you just called it up there. So talk to me about your highlight of the game. Uh, we'll talk about highlight, but I do think there are some key moments that we do need to touch on as well. The offside, uh, talk about your highlight first, but there's the offside, there's the penalty, um, and then there's our goal as well. But is that is that is our goal the highlight of you of what was a pretty insipid game? You got yourself on mute, Paul. I do. Um, sorry, yeah, because I have a bit of a cough. So <laughs> um, <laughs> the goal should have been a highlight, but... Like you said earlier, before we started, it was it was almost kind of hard to celebrate. I mean, I celebrated Ceballos, you know, Ceballos's game a goal, and which was disallowed, which I thought was, you know, it was a great header. It was a good goal. I think at this at the time that it came in the game, I think it, you know, the, it would have been very different. I think with us going one one nil ahead, um, but even the goal at the end, it was just I was already kind of done. You know, it, yeah. it was such a damp squib. It was like raining on the 4th of July, you know, and you go and watch fireworks, but there's low clouds and you can't see anything. And you go, OK, well, I heard the noises, but, you know, I didn't see any flashing lights. Uh, that's kind of what it felt like. It's hard to find a highlight, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I would pick that that as a highlight, not not the goal itself. I would pick the movement for Matt the disallowed goal. Because that was brilliant. Oh, Matt Ryan getting a flick on. <laughs> Matt Ryan getting a flick on and a pre-assist is that. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> so that for me, be, I think. Go on, go on, Charlie. That would be my highlight, Matt Ryan coming up. <laughs> um, that says how sad it is, really. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we had a corner yeah. just before that, and he was the one who won the corner because he was actually going in and running and big beater. So he has made an impact there. And I, I see a stat earlier on that um, we've only scored two goals from corners this season. Which is fucking ridiculous because Charlie, out of 157 corners oh, or something, mate, I mean, it's so fucking bad. We've got this new set piece coaching. Oh. Fuck, <coughs> you do. Do you know what I mean? So for, to have Matt Ryan, the person coming up there and making things happen, is another damning, damning issue with his football club. Yeah, it, it was poor. But I tell you what, we create enough chances to win this game. So I used to play, uh, many of you will probably know, this Championship Manager, an old school game. Um, I think yeah. I still do it. But I used to play that on my old PC. And in Championship Manager, it was almost like the computer and its algorithm. It doesn't matter how good your team was. There's always be one game where you'd have you'd have like 37 shots on goal. And the other team would have one shot and one goal. And you'd end up losing it. And I used to, me and my brother still text each other now. Like he, He's a West Ham fan. And so he'll say, oh, Chapman game today. That's that's what I'm going to do after this. I'm going to message him and say Chapman game today. You know, Fulham had one shot in the entire game, and that was a penalty, which frankly wasn't a penalty. Um, I don't know what your take is on this, um, Paul, but and then I'll get bring Charlie in as well. But from my perspective, I looked at that four or five times. I can't see any contact. 
So I can't see any. I mean, forget the fact. Forget the fact the VAR looked at the the offside, you know, and called it onside. Fine, I'm dealing with that with, in the build up to that penalty. But there is no movement from Gabriel's supposed. It was silly from Gabriel to hang a leg out, to hang a toe out. Fine, you know, I acknowledge that. But I didn't see any movement. So normally, if a player clips another player's foot, you see movement. Gabriel's foot didn't move. The the only way the other player's foot moved is away from Gabriel. So I've looked at that four or five times, and what I've seen is no contact. So how on earth can VAR not look at that and say there's contact? How, how can they look at that and say there's contact and then give a penalty? They spent more time drawing lines on the pitch for the offside than looking at the fact that there was absolutely zero contact from, A, a silly, like I said, silly challenge from Gabriel, but never a penalty in a billion years, and then they stick it away. So what's your take on that, um, Paul? You know, Chris, it's... It's, am I on? Yeah, testing one, two, yeah, I'm on. Um, Chris, it's actually a sad thing that we're looking at the fact that Gabriel's, like the tip of his shoe might have touched the tip of some other guy's shoe and he went prancing over like some kind of leaping pony, you know, and rolled as if he'd been shot by a sniper from Rosette. It's just sad that we're even talking about the fact that that should be a penalty in football. That should be, if anything, an indirect free kick. The guy... Is, it's not a scoring opportunity. He doesn't have the ball under control. You know, it's it, just that concept alone. Mike, Mike McDonald, who's been on this pod a few times, he wrote a blog where, you know, he talked about some rules that needed to be changed, you know, and, and let's face it, like, this, this game is just saturated with these prancy, divey, cheating twants, you know, that are basically trying to con the ref all the way up the field, whether it's Son, you know, act, acting as if he had his eye gouged out you know in in the build-up to another goal that was disallowed um last week or this guy you know diving and like you said i mean how var can look at that and, and say that that's that's a penalty i mean just the fact that even if he had touched him it shouldn't be a penalty i'm sorry this it's it, everything everything is wrong about the game right now there's so many things that are just they don't make sense to me and do i sound annoyed because i am yeah, you are certainly in the way. And Charlie, I'm going to give you, I want you to talk on two fronts here. So I want you to just talk about your thoughts on the penalty. I just add to what we've we talked about there in my little rant and Paul's little rant. But then also, can we switch over to the toenail of Saka being offside? Because again, once again, it feels like VAR is really, well, it hasn't shafted us in terms of the offside. You know, if you're going to call, if it's offside, it's offside, people will argue. But it doesn't feel like football anymore when you're basically drawing lines of the pitch and saying, you know, this much of a player's foot is offside. It's like that part of his body and also the angle of it had no impact on the goal itself, did it? I mean, Backing into it's the pathetic. Um, firstly, on the penalty, um, see, the referee didn't give it. So the lino who flagged, wasn't it? So the referee's mm. 10 miles away, closer than the play. The referee said no. Then he looks over to his lino and give it. So what the problem is with the VAR stuff, looking at that, he he is obviously give he give it after the lino waved, didn't he? So it was actually given a penalty. So with VAR, it had to be clear and obvious to overturn it. So the offside was the only chance we had of that, wasn't it? Which is ridiculous. Okay. So he'd already given the penalty. So that so it's not clear and obvious. When for us, it would be clear and obvious. But in the letter of the law, they're not going to think it's be clear and obvious. But the player bought it. And it is... I don't know what's really happened with Gabriel. I mean, he started off the season like an absolute monster. Absolute rock. And um, 
it's just the last few games, he's, he's, he's costing us goals at the minute as well. I mean, I know that the Prague game the other week, the home leg, uh, a Liverpool goal. So that's three games in a row now that he's started. He's cost us a goal. So that's you know what? quite a long Do you know what I think it is? I think you're right, Charlie, because I've previously thought it's his partner, whoever his partner is, needs to be... He uh, worked well with a certain partnership and he was doing all right with David Luiz. But... Rob well, Holding was all right today. I didn't really see anything well, wrong with Rob Holding. He's he's in form. So I have I do know Gabriel does not speak a word of English still, and I always plays better next to David Luiz, maybe because of the language. So yeah, I, that's what, I, I, I agree I, there, Charlie. I think you know Luiz and Gabriel seem to seem to have a better relationship because they can communicate. Yes, yeah, so Whereas Holding Holding and Mari for me. They've done nothing wrong. I'm not sure what the stats are for that. I'd love to see what the central central defensive pairing stats oh, are like. Paul, I think they've got the most clean sheets. Every clean sheet. I'm sure they have. Holding's been in, in that team. I'm sure they have. That, the other Thursday night, I see a stat. Every clean sheet also had this season. Rob Holding's been one of the defenders. Um, yeah. But going on to the Saka thing, I think it is. It is. I tweeted out. I said it's not just an Arsenal thing, but I'm saying. Any football fan would see that and think that is actually disgraceful. The ball, the ball is a lovely bit of play. The ball's come back. Saka is leaning his back into the defender. Okay, so he's leaning back, and his right foot is marginally offside. Granted, the toe, right? <coughs> but his body is in front of the defender. It isn't. Can that be offside? Is it, it, it's fucking laughable, mate? It really is. And. And I, I'm not one of these. I'm not one of ones who just want to go on and blame ref and feel that we're unjust, we're undone by. Because I think sometimes we have been this season, but it's it's a, it's a problem in football in a whole. The whole VAR is fucking terrible. Yeah, it, and get you, bit better shout out to Dan Cullerton here. who said VAR destroyed the beautiful game in 30 years' time. Kids won't want to play this game because of too much technology. Dan, I think you've got you probably got a point in there, I, hasn't he, Charlie? In the comment. Absolutely spot on. We shouldn't be talking about our. Oh, we should have beaten them three four nil. Stan, he's absolutely right. He's spot but on. Charlie, we also shouldn't be talking about it because technology in every other sport, whether it's rugby or tennis or cricket, is used properly. Nobody complains about the technology in tennis when there's a whether the linesman calls out and they go to the camera or the guy wants to appeal it. He's given his one appeal. If it is out, he loses his appeal. That's it. You know. Um, you know, in cricket, you've got all these sort of technology like we've got with Eagle Eye and stuff. They've got these snickers. They've got the ball spin thing. They can look at it. You know, if there's, a, if there's something that's too close to call, they go with the referee's decision. If it's a 50-50, whatever the referee said on field is what happens. With football, the lack of transparency and the, the, the just the theater, the theatrical application of technology like they do with these thin little pixel lines that they're doing, it's, it's, all, it's all fake. You know, they, they're relying on a, on a picture that's taken at 100, fr you know, 100 frames a second is the VAR camera. Now, in 100 frames a second, somebody like Aubameyang, who can run 100 meters in 10 seconds, that means that he's traveling, you know, 10 or 12 seconds from frame to frame. You know, people are moving in opposite directions. They need to have a gray line saying between this frame and that frame, this is what happened. And if you're anywhere inside the margin of error, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be allowed or disallowed. You know, you can't be yeah. a toenail off when you're 100 frames a second. There's no fucking yeah. way. Yeah. So it's just you know scientifically, what? it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Do you know what you I'd know? add to that as well, Paul? So the only way that that goal ruled out today, I could moderately accept it, is 
if the ball that comes into Saka is at his foot and he knocks it in through that foot in the goal, then if we if you're talking about toenails and he's had that advantage, then fine. But let's not forget that that ball then came down. It was then superb touchdown to, to, to Bellerin. And we talked, we've lamented Bellerin today, but it was a fantastic ball across from Bellerin. And Sabayas, who I also thought had a poor game, has, has nodded in a really good header. And all of that has been completely wiped off of the, the history books simply because of a, a, a terrible application of a rule that, you know, it's, it's just stupid. It's utterly stupid. But we shouldn't be talking about Go on, go on, Charlie. With that goal counts, we go and win that game pretty comfortably, I think, wouldn't you? Mm. Before, I mean, you look at the time that it happened, definitely, yeah. I think. So, you know. So, I would say that, that is, it is something that has cost us. So, it is worth talking about because it has cost us, I think. Um, yeah, momentum, yeah. It is, it is what it is, though. I mean, it's football in a whole. I see one with Liverpool the other week. They scored a goal against Villard. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they got chalked off. So, I do think we do waste a lot of time talking about it which we do um, and that's just all, all pundit trees but it's just it is, it is a joke it is terrible if we lost VAR tomorrow not one person would be disappointed no I mean, yeah. I'm, 100, I'm 100% with you there Charlie and Jack um, on Facebook has said VAR has destroyed football but to be fair we weren't that great Arteta not doing subs until 70th minute uh, even though we were one nil down I mean he's done it again hasn't he like I tweeted that this should have been a classic at half-time. It was like, lads, we're looking sluggish today. So I tell you what, you've got 15 minutes and I'm hauling some of you off unless we do something. That's what should have happened. We should have been, we should have got to 60 minutes and said, right, some of you aren't doing it. We're going to change it. We're going to add a little bit more intensity. El Nenny, bring him off, bring Party on because he's a little bit more progressive. You look like you look at someone like Pepe and say he's been informed, doing very well. So, so that's what should have happened a little bit earlier. I mean, some of the stats as well. This was a poor Fulham team. Like I'll read you some of the stats. We had 70% possession against Fulham. They had one shot uh, on target, which was their goal. Um, we've had 18 shots in total. We weren't great. Let's acknowledge that. But let's be honest. I think that even though VAR went against us, even though it felt like a bit of a champ man game, as I said earlier, we still should have been putting those away. I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Pepe, how about his header? which I thought was a decent header. And the goalkeeper's made a really, really good save. You've got Martinelli, who uh, made a good save in the first half. Yeah, go on, mate. On that one, Chris, I've seen a few people giving Pepe a bit of stick for that header. And I, I, I totally just threw it. As you said, yeah. I thought it was a good header. And nine times out of ten, it goes in. I think you've got to give the goalkeeper a bit of credit there. It was a great save. Yeah. There's so much... It was, it was, it was, a very, it was just... The Fulham had a lot of luck today, I think. They had a luck. They had luck on the penalty. They had luck on VAR. I think, like, they've talked about ins instinctive, good goalkeeping save, but, yeah, you know, he just flicks his leg out. And on another day, it's, a, it's an inch or two higher and it just flicks in. Saka hit the, hit the crossbar stroke post, didn't he? So, you know, there's another day we would have we would have absolutely, absolutely battered them there. But, Paul, did you want to just jump in on your thoughts from the substitution side? Yeah, once again, I, I, I agree with you, you both. I think it was too little too late you know um and I, i'm disappointed i'm disappointed with the, you know even with with the substitutions with parte and, and pepe coming on i still felt like like the lack of urgency even after the substitutions when we knew we had to you know we we're chasing this game um it didn't look like we had the urgency to score one goal let alone two you know even 
you know, like the amount of back passing and the amount of just, there was a lack of movement up front. There were, there were a lot of things that just made me think, you know, like what, these guys are being paid a huge amount of money to represent this team, you know? Um, it's their job. Imagine if I just arrived at work and just didn't answer the phone and maybe just, you know, forgot to get out of my car and stayed in the garage and listened to like the radio, you know, instead of doing whatever it is I'm paid to be doing. It felt like that today. It's like, I don't get it. The inconsistency that this team displays yeah. is probably the most frustrating part because you have a team that played well against Sheffield, played well against Prague and ca and came today and just looked like they all had malaria. You know? Yeah. And I yeah. don't I don't That's get it. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got we've got some worrying now, haven't we, to do because I don't know how long Aubameyang is going to be out with malaria. But Lacazette was holding his calf there, so that looked like a bit of a strain. Which, yeah, I mean, you just have to pray that Lacazette's not going to be out for too long. We play Everton next Friday again. I'm not that fussed about the league now. I just want this season to be done from a league perspective. But the following Thursday, we play um, Villarreal in the first game, which is in Spain. So we've got to hope that that he makes it there. But Charlie, I just wanted to ask you something. As a fellow, so me and the uh, obviously season ticket holders and we go along to, to the games. Do you think, because I feel like the poor home form this season, I do feel like people talk about Arsenal being a quiet place and stuff like that. But we, as, as fans in the ground, a game like today, we're making noises and we're urging the team on, aren't we? And they're not going to be doing, you know, walking pace football at the back if, if it's filled with 60,000 people. Don't you think? I, I totally agree with it. I think, I think there's a lot of teams out there. We do get a lot of stick with the fans at the Emirates. We do, but I mean, I think the Arsenal fans are, are generally quite, as you said, with the walking pace. They do get on their backs a bit, which lifts them a tiny bit. Whether it's not maybe maybe productive attitude, but I think it does lift the players. How many games have we been down like one nil down against shit teams in the last ten minutes? All the fans get a bit restless and we raise our game, don't we, last 10, 15 minutes, which didn't happen today. And I think we are one of the teams that are struggling with not having the fans in there. I, I think mm. Liverpool, I think we are. But there's other teams like West Ham are probably benefiting it, not having their fans. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a strange one. I do think that today, with the sun out, you could imagine today would be the first game there that everyone would have had their shorts on, their T-shirts, you know what I mean? And it would be a sea of red and white there. Everyone would have been up there early having a load of beers in the sun. It would have been a good atmosphere in there today, do you know what I mean? It would have been a nice... Everyone would have been a bit of a feel-good factor after Thursday night. So it would have been a good atmosphere. So I do tend to agree with that a bit. I think we I think we are lacking that. But I think there'd be a case for every, for every team to say that, though, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... I certainly think in terms of the home form, so our away form hasn't been amazing for years now and, and patchy, which is fine. But home form generally for the bigger clubs, you know, they were showing stats that we hadn't been this bad this season since like the 20s or something. So, you know, we're talking about 100 years ago when we were this bad at home. I feel like you've got 60,000 people, even if we are a bit grumbly as a bunch in the stadium sometimes, I feel like it does make a difference for some of those home games. And we would have, and we would, we, we do tend to like drive the team on. Well, at least we instill a little bit more urgency from the walking football. But Paul, I want to talk about something that Guna the Duck has just said on Facebook. Um, isn't it down to the manager to motivate the players and instill that sense of urgency? How much of this today do you put on Arteta? You know, Chris, I mean, 
I, I, I think Arteta is the right guy for the job. I mean, I'm, there's plenty of examples that people can throw in my face and say, you're, you're fucking mental. And maybe I am. But I think in some ways Arteta, I mean, I've seen him when he's animated. I've seen him when he seems to go over the top and trying to, you know, you know um, control the p- players, every movement and every touch and everything. And then I've seen him in, on days like today where he probably feels like you and I do. It's mm. like... What, what the fuck is going on? Like, the, did somebody forget to change the batteries? Or, you know, like, what is it? These guys, they can't have been doing that in training. I mean, you know, how did they arrive on the field and, and just become so shit? You know, I'm sure that, I'm sure he's wondering the same thing. And yes, you know, maybe he could giddy them up. But I mean, it, you know, does that work? He gets flack when he does that too much. He gets flack when he does mm-hmm. that too little. I, you know, I think it's a tough job. And I think the pandemic... Going back to what you said a little bit earlier about, you know, we haven't been the shit for a hundred years. I mean, all the, all the teams, you know, this season have been, I mean, Liverpool lost seven games in a row or something at home. They lost 7-2, you know, to Aston Villa at home. Um, you know, teams have, have basically struggled. And I think it's just down to the fact that these are really trying circumstances. They're trying times. You know, people's away form is better than their home form. I think that says a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a really, really tough time to be watching football, supporting football, playing football, and managing footballers. I just, I just can't wait for normality to resume. I think you know, then we yeah, get a hear, better hear. idea of. <clears throat> yeah, hear, hear, mate, hear, hear. And Charlie, just as we start to wrap up this uh, podcast today, um, you obviously mentioned earlier about um, Arteta could be in trouble if you know we we don't win the Europa League or get to the final of the Europa League and we finish 10th. Um, and we've, we've talked, we've lamented his, his, um, his substitutions as well. Just, can you just give me your general thoughts as how much you think this is on Arteta today, this result and the performance actually more than the result. I, I, I think the result yeah. fully on Arteta today. I, I, I do. Um, mm. I mean, I am fully behind Arteta as well. I mean, I, I'm, I like him. I like what he's trying to do. I understand the challenges he has at the club with the people uh, like some getting out some of the players we want to do, which was a hard challenge, getting rid of Ozil, getting rid of Blaznats, Mustafi, them people. It was tough and it was very draining on the team in the start of the season. But I, I, I just I just know what the Arsenal fan base are like. There's already people that don't like him. There's already people mm. now turning on him. And... I think he is quite fortunate at the minute with his home form that there is no fans in the stadium because it would be even more toxic in there if, if the results were the same. But I think he's just playing a very dangerous game at the moment. I mean, there's a couple of things that really annoyed me he's done. And I, was, I, was, I was infuriated with the way the team he put out against Southampton in the FA Cup because I think last season, was that was something that bought him a bit of time and, and give people a bit of backing for him because we won the FA Cup. Which we know mm-hmm. is difficult to win a trophy as a manager. Look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Look at Pochettino when he was here. These managers are good managers and they've not won nothing. He came in first season, he's won a trophy. That's because he took the FA Cup seriously and because he knows what it means to Arsenal Football Club. And the day when we, we had that game against Southampton, they started that team and I see the likes of Ilnina in there again and other people that don't really get a look in. I was infuriated and it, and it cost us. And, and, it, and I thought, oh, why has he done that? And I think he opens himself up for attack for that. And then things like today, once again, he opens himself up for a bit. And if, don't get me wrong, if we go and win the Europa League in May, 
fucking what a good season. We've hit our target. I know I know that's stupid, but it is. We go and win the Europa League. Our target to start every season is to try and get to Champions League. If we go and win that, fantastic. Do you know what I mean? It, it, you can't really argue with it. He buys in time, we've got our eventual goal. But if all of a sudden we don't and we finish 10th, we go into that next season, there's so much pressure on him. I don't think he will go. I don't think the board will get rid of him. I really don't. But if all of a sudden we go and start the season next season and lose him two out of six or two out of three, he is gonna, with the fans back, there is going to be some serious hostility in that football stadium. Yeah, certainly. And I tell you what, when you look at how the FA Cup has panned out, Southampton play Leicester as we're, we're as we're sort of talking today. Yeah. We will know the result. Uh, if you're listening to this tomorrow, you will know the result. But if you look at the run that Southampton have got to the semi-final, they beat us, then they played Wolves. That, that's the sort of game that you'd expect Arsenal to be able to win in the cup. They then played yeah. Bournemouth. We could have yeah. we could beat Bournemouth, no problems there. Then they got Leicester. We beat yeah. West, Leicester three-one. What was that? Six weeks ago. We could be exactly. We could if he'd have beaten Southampton, Arteta could be looking at. Well, look, we've got we've got two options here. We've got the Europa League or we've got the FA Cup as uh, as as cherries on the cake of the season. But and and when you think about it, Charlie, we he prioritised the league and we beat Southampton. Happy days. However, what 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 is the league to us now? It's it's not really a lot. So, Paul, just as we're wrapping up today, is there any sort of final thoughts you wanna you wanna touch on before we uh, we say goodbye for this uh, this particular podcast? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting that you know that, that Arteta seems to have thrown you know the FA Cup. But, you know, like Charlie said, that selection was just shocking. Um, and I've seen a lot of things on Twitter, and, and it's up here on, on the screen right now, people saying that Arteta is basically a cup manager, and he's put all of his eggs in the basket of the Europa League. Well, I sure as hell hope that that, that pays off. I, I hope that he ends up being a cup manager. I hope he can pull one over Unai Emery um, and get us into the final and then see what happens. At, you know, I'm not sure if, who we'll be facing, whether it be United or Roma. I'm not sure who I'd prefer. Who would you prefer to be playing if we got Roma. through to the final? I think Roma, Roma every day of the week for me. Yeah, me the Cup final would, would scare me just because how much stake it is and, and our record against English clubs in Europe. It's terrible. Yeah, it really is terrible, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's my only point. Is I hope that I hope that. Um, because let's face it, you know, we're, we're kind of like goldfish in a bowl, you know, our, our football fans. We kind of just remember what happened like two seconds ago, mostly. And um, if we can win the Europa League, uh, touch wood, um, and get into the Champions League, then I'm sure all will be forgiven and, and next season will be a clean slate. But that's a massive fucking if. Oh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, almost too much, it's almost too much to hope for. But, you know, we, we kind of, we, we end up with only that choice in front of us, so... Oh, yeah. I know you say like we are we are fickle football fans. Remember, and as I said, it, this is a general question for both of you. I personally think if we go and win the Europa League, the season is seen as a success. You set mm -hmm. a target at the start of the season. Our target is to reach Champions League. If Arteta goes yeah. and wins the Europa League and becomes the first Arsenal manager to win a European trophy since George Graham, mm -hmm. um, and then gets us in the Champions League, and then financially we're in a much better position. I know it is paper over in the cracks of the shit we've had this year, but the season would be seen as a success, no? Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. And and all of the trust and faith in him will, 
you know, the cup will get filled up again and he'll move into the next season with that. And, you know, and we, and we'll... we need that cash injection, don't we? We need that to evolve. If we don't win the Europa League and we don't qualify Champions League at any European competition next season, where do we go from there, really? Do you know what I mean? I don't... Well, I think it'll end up being looking at the Haylenders. The Haylend kids are going to have to, either through revenue generation for selling the likes of Inketia, uh, Maitland-Niles, Willock and, and the likes, and then reinvesting that. I think that is essentially where we're going to go. But lads, um, really, really good to chat to you. Uh, we're pretty much out of time for today. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening to us. If you've been listening to us live via Facebook or Periscope or any of the other channels that, that we're on, and if you listen to us as a post-match podcast and the next day when you go running or, or when you're in the gym or anything like that, then thank you very much for joining us as well. Uh, Paul, pleasure as always. Thanks for having us, Chris. Thanks. And Charlie, lovely to see you. <laughs> <laughs> incognito. <laughs> AFC incognito. Actually, Charlie. Um, now, yeah, cheers, guys. Have a lovely afternoon, whatever you do. Whatever you're doing, have a lovely afternoon, and we will see you next time on the Gunners Town post match podcast. Cheers.